Mother's Day, May the 8th, 2022. Could quite possibly be a day that some will never forget. For some, it's the first Mother's Day without somebody. For others, it may be your last Mother's Day with somebody. On a spiritual sense, it could be a day that forever changes your life. I know on days like this, it's, it feels like Maybe not a real appropriate time to gain spiritual momentum. But I want to tell you, I believe that somebody could make a decision in this place today that would forever change the course of your destiny. As we honor the mothers in this place today, we want to also honor our Heavenly Father that has blessed us abundantly with the life and health and strength that we have. And uh, I don't know what he did that was, I, you know, I, I don't know what the, the, the mixture was. With mothers, but when God made good mamas, He put a little something extra in the sauce. There's a little bit of sand in there, a little bit of oil in there to heal. It's like when it needs to be there, it's kind of like the gravel that's needed to make it happen, and then the healing touch that's needed to heal it when it's over. It was like the story the Lord told about the Good Samaritan. He poured oil and wine. There was a burning substance and there was a healing substance. And it takes like almost this magic to know the measure of each. And that's something that God put in the hearts of mothers. Is that understanding that's honestly not fair to us lowly men. Because they just know things. When I was a kid... Uh, my mother, we called it homeschooling, but she made us get up and go to school at the church every day. And our schoolroom uh, is the room that's my dad's office now. And uh, that's probably the reason it became a pastor's office later was because there was a serious need for some counseling in there. <laughs> There's no doubt. But my mom, my mom was magical. I don't know. She... Me and Jody, my sisters, my only sibling, we used to laugh because my mom was the greatest. I don't, I don't know how they do it, but she was the greatest multitasker I'd ever seen. My mother could check the watch on her arm, speak in tongues, swing a belt, and yell at me at the same time. Like I, I don't mean like in the same day. I mean at the same time. In the basement of the old church, while we were doing school upstairs, my mother would go downstairs and she would walk. Now, when my mom walks and prays, she walks and she prays. And she's getting after it. And she would walk forwards and backwards and she'd be down there in the basement. And I would, I would hear her little feet, you know, do, 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 do. And I'd oh, God, oh, God, bless the Lord. And then she'd break off praying. I'm like, wow, she's in her zone, you know. Mom's in her zone. It's all good. That's a concrete slab floor out there in the office. Couldn't hear nothing. And I'm part ninja anyway. So I would get up and I would creep across the floor. And we had this little, this little cabinet where my mom would keep candy and stuff in there. Uh, score keys and whatever. And, and I would want to get up and get me some candy. I'd get about three steps away from my chair with my mother downstairs talking in tongues, walking back and forth, 
And she'd say, Luke, Daniel, get in your seat right now. <laughs> Folks, we didn't have closed caption cameras back then. We didn't, we didn't have, it was the Holy Ghost. <laughs> My mother sent an angel up there in that room and she'd say, Lord, when that boy gets up, tell that angel to tell me. And that sorry angel told her every time. I don't know how many of you have ever read uh, uh, comics or whatever, but when I was a boy, it was kind of like now kids scroll Facebook. We'd get our Pepal's newspaper and go to the comics. There was one that was always kind of funny. It was Calvin and Hobbes. Anybody in here ever read Calvin and Hobbes? And uh, I read about one where Calvin is standing by his mother's bed on Mother's Day. And he said, hey, Mom, wake up. Hey, Mom. Hey, Mom, wake up. Wake up. She wakes up. He said, Mama, made you a Mother's Day card. His mother was very pleased, and she started reading it out loud. And I quote, I was going to buy a card with hearts of pink and red, but then I thought I'd rather spend the money on me instead. It's awfully hard to buy things when one's allowance is so small, so I guess you're pretty lucky I got you anything at all. Happy Mother's Day to you. There I said it. Now I'm done. So how about you get out of bed cooking breakfast for your son? He adds, <laughs> did you notice the part about my allowance? In 1914, President Woodrow Wilson made it an act of Congress and proclaimed that the second Sunday in May would be set aside for Mother's Day, and he declared that it would be a day for the public expression of our love and reverence for the mothers of our country. It has been said that no nation is ever greater than its mothers, for they are the makers of the next generation. I want you today, if you would, one more time, to just help me give thanks to the Lord for our mothers. Would you do that? I thank God for my mom today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise God. I'm going to draw my text from Matthew chapter 20 today. Uh, I was talking to my mom this morning on FaceTime. And uh, she said, I'm so sad that I'm not there with you. And I said, well, Mother, she's there in Carlsbad preaching for Brother King. I said, well, Mother, Pastor King's mom is here every week. She said, you go give her a big hug and tell her you're sorry. So, Brother King, would you hug your wife for me? Just don't you be holding on too long. We're in church. I said, dear God, Mother, people are separated from their children Every single day. Oh, but I wish I was in church with you. I'm like, forget. This has nothing to do with me. You just want to be here with our church family and our kids. And I'm all right with that. Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20 and verse number 20. I, I would like to uh, publicly today say how thankful I am to, to still have both of my grandmothers in health. It's good to see my grandmother Connie here today and Sister Bingham as well. Thank the Lord for them. I don't know. I don't know what all they did wrong, but I do know they raised some good kids, and uh, we're very blessed by the ministry that they had to their children. Matthew twenty and twenty. If you're there, say Amen. amen. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children, 
Now, you don't think being a mom is a thankless job. You ought to find her name in the scripture. It's not there. So then came the mother of Zebedee's children. Her identity was wrapped up in the kids that she was raising, the man that she was raising them with. She came worshiping him, desiring a certain thing of him. And he said to her, what wilt thou? She said unto him, grant that these my two sons may sit the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. Let's say amen to the reading of the word. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Now, we're going to call her today Mizra Zebedee because I don't know Zeb's last name. But Mizra Zebedee apparently was aware of the teaching of Jesus about his kingdom. She was also very aware of the fact that her two sons, James and John, were very close to him. If you read about the earthly ministry of Jesus, you understand that Jesus had an inner circle. He didn't spend all of his time with 5,000 plus their wives and children. He had an inner circle that was even a little bit more shallow than just the 12 that followed with him. His inner circle was consisting of three men, namely Peter, James, and John. Now, I want to tell you why this woman felt so invested when she looked at Jesus' inner circle. You have to realize that her bloodline consisted of two-thirds of Jesus' most intimate circle. Knowing how close her sons were to the Messiah, knowing that Jesus had drawn them close to her, it made her wonder what would happen to them when Jesus established his kingdom. Perhaps she was there when Jesus told the story at the beginning of the chapter about the landowner who went out to find laborers for his field. And the scriptural story as it unfolds is said that the men hired first were paid exactly the same as those who were hired last. And perhaps this caused her to wonder, will my sons really have positions of authority in the new kingdom that Jesus would establish. So when the opportunity presented itself, this woman came to Jesus and she bowed before him. And she made her request that her sons would be placed in positions on the right hand of authority and on the left hand of honor. It would be easy to criticize Miss Zebedee for feeling this way and acting so bold, but we know from the story that when she asked this of Jesus, Jesus even told her, he said, do you even know what you're asking? He said, you've asked a pretty big thing right here. He said, as a matter of fact, are you able to drink of the cup that I'm going to drink of? Jesus began to describe to her the depth of what she was asking. He said, there's a baptism that's going to have to come that I'm going to be baptized of in a cup that I'm going to have to drink of. And if you want your sons to sit with me, then they're going to have to drink of that cup and be baptized of that baptism. He went on to tell her, this is such a big thing that you have asked that only God can place people on the right hand and the left hand of me. However, 
I want to focus on three important truths, if I may today. Just three. I'm going to try to keep it as brief as I can. Three truths that I feel like we need to remember that we see from her request. Number one, I'm going to preach to you just a little bit today. So I need you to stay with me. The first thing that we can see is that this mother wanted her children to be a part of the kingdom. Now I'm going to jump right in. My intro's behind me. So let me just say that a good and godly mother wants to see their children saved. A godly mother wants to see their children live for God. And a godly mother will bring herself to the place that whatever it takes, she will have her children in the house of the Lord. I thank God that when I was a boy, I did not have an option as to whether or not I was going to be in the house of the Lord. You've heard it told time after time, I'm sure. It's just a funny old story, an old funny uh, rhetorical old joke now. But I've heard people say I had a drug problem when I was a kid. But it wasn't cocaine. It was my mother and daddy dragging me to the house of the Lord. They drug me to the house of God every time the doors were open. Well, I thank God for a mother and daddy that drug me to the house of the Lord every time the doors were open. Thank God for moms that want their children to be a part of the kingdom of God. I have seen it several times through the last few years, and uh, I still couldn't tell you the exact number, but someone hung up a sign outside their church and said there's like a, 0.09 and 1 million chance or something like that that your kids are going to make it to the big leagues. But there's a 100% chance that they're going to have to be saved or be lost. And I want to thank God today for moms who have put it as a priority in front of their children. Above all else, above all else, you must be saved. You can gain the whole world and lose your soul. Thank God for moms that have taught their children. You gotta, you gotta make a living. You gotta be the man of the house. You gotta do what's right. But above all else, you gotta be saved. If you never make more money than your daddy, I hope that your soul is saved. I thank God for a mother that told me how to be successful. But all other success in life took a second chair to being faithful in the house of God and in the kingdom of God. I thank God for a mother that taught me there's more to living for God than just going to church. you got to be involved in the kingdom of God. You know, there was some unfair pressure put on me when I got married that I was the last St. Clair. I'm it. So, I'm done. I had three girls. There's not going to be any more St. Clair's. I don't know what you did right, Mikey. But there's going to be some more Nikolai's. He said, don't give up. Well, me and Sarah love you. I mean, 
that, that was reference to Abraham and Sarah. <laughs> I'm, the last, I'm the last of the Mohicans. Somebody may say thank the Lord to that. I don't know. Thank God that there's no more St. Clair's after this. This is it. But uh, they threw the ball in my court. It ain't my, my fault that my dad didn't know how to keep having kids. I don't know. Uncle David couldn't get it done. He had one daughter and just quit, so I don't know. But this is what I know. There may not be another grandchild in this world that's named St. Clair. But I hope every one of my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren all take on the name of Jesus. I thank God for a woman that stand beside me and say, Babe, if you preach it in the pulpit, I'm going to help you preach it at home. And we're going to teach our children. There is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. It's going to be in our homes. Hey, thank God for it. I thank God the first words that my daughters ever heard was, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. My, my daughters are in that stage of life where they're trying to decide what they want to do, you know. They have huge ambitions, major, major ambitions. And I'm thankful for it, like working stockroom at Dollar General. Big things. Like, baby, nothing but the best for you. I know you can make some good tacos at Taco Bell because your dad likes Taco Bell. I know you could do it. They have big ambitions. We've been talking some crazy stuff. I sent my dad a picture the other day sitting in the, in the college office with Lauren. I'm like, I'm not even old enough for this. I'm sitting there, and they're like, okay, you're going to take this 101 and 201. And I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious, she don't even clean her room. <laughs> I mean, sometimes when she wants allowance or something, I don't know. They got this way, you know. Kids have this way. They just do. They know how to butter it up right. She came up to me the other day. She said, Daddy, yeah, baby. I'm almost out of gas. So you can lose several different ways here. If I send my debit card with you, there's going to be gas and candy bars. And, oh. Jimmy's Dairy Bar. Or I could go with you and then I have to pump the gas. And you know what? None of it's trouble to me because they're good kids. But when they said talking ambitions, what they want to do, I'm going to brag on my kids a little bit. I thank God that the first thing that started coming out of their mouth as they got older, we started talking. I want to do something that I can use in the kingdom of God. If I'm going to go to college, I want to do something that I can use for the kingdom of God. Lauren is enrolled in her college classes. What, what do you want to do? Honey, I want to be a school teacher, but I want to teach at PCA. Hey, I'm going to tell you, I've got no problem at all with kids that want to do something for God. If you're going to be an accountant, be an accountant for the kingdom of God. If you're going to be a teacher, teach in the kingdom of God. Come on now. If you're going to be a millionaire, don't forget God when you get successful. I thank God for a mother that wants her children. Now, 
There's a couple different things my wife, and I'm going to let you in on all our dirty secrets. Not all of them. Just a small percentage of them. My wife's got this deal. She says, honey, would you please say something? I know your wife don't do this, Dan. Just mine. She'll say, honey, would you please say something? I'm like, what do you want me to say? She's like, well, apparently, they listen to you. Because I say it a thousand times. Why are you laughing, Elvis? You walk in and say it one time, and they do it. I'm like, that's right. We'll have marriage ministry retreat coming up next year. <laughs> you know what? It really helps when our households can get on the same page of communication. If you can't learn to do it while your babies are learning to talk, then when they get older, there's always going to be that division. Listen, if kids have the opportunity to play mom and dad against each other, that is not a child problem. That is a parent problem because parents have to learn to stand together. And the safest place in the world that we can learn to stand is to get the word of God smack dab in the middle of everything that we're doing and stand together on the word of God in our families and in our home. I want to tell y'all something that if we don't teach it to our children, the world's going to teach our children and they're going to teach them whatever they want. We better teach our kids what normal is because the world is redefining normal. I thank God for a household of faith that'll stand up and declare it's still one man and one woman. It's still God's way. Thank God for a Matthew 6 and 33 perspective for our children seek ye first the kingdom of god don't wait until you get all your plans laid out and then bring god in on the equation seek god first seek first somebody shout seek first mamas we need you laying hands on your babies and praying over them and when they're talking about college and future and marriage somebody needs to put a hand on them and say baby seek first the kingdom of God if you're 45 when you get married but you're saved it's worth it all don't get in a rush to get married don't get in a rush to get your education if you're not serving God nothing else matters The single most important thing we will ever do as parents is teach our children how to have a relationship with Jesus. I know this may be a painful topic for some, but just just bear with me. I know there are parents that are listening to me this morning who have children that are not walking with the Lord. And I know how much pain that brings you. And and, and it's, it's certain that there's no guarantees in life. But God has no grandchildren. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God, God has no grandchildren. What do you mean, Pastor? I mean, you got to put the ball in your kid's court. They're, they're, they're not God's grandchildren. They're God's children. But you got to teach them how to be a child of God. And pray with all that's within you that they're going to continue to walk in that. And believe that they're going to continue to walk in that. Well, but Pastor, I've seen some that it doesn't matter what they do, they walk away. Well, that's not a good reason for us to quit trying. 
That's right. I've seen some that walk away, but I'm not going to quit believing. And you got to set it so, so tough in your heart today that your kids need to know when you get older, if you're not serving God, you'll know right where to find me because I'm going to still be right here believing the same thing that I've always believed. It's a tough place to be when we go chasing after our children and agreeing with things that we told them not to do because they're not serving the Lord. Hey, I'm not trying to be like a stick in the mud today, but mama, I want to tell you, it's all right. Go ahead, dig your heels in. It's all right. Go ahead, dig your heels in and tell them babies, we're going to serve the Lord. Well, my, 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 my kids are getting older and they're, you know, they're, they're, I, I want them to make some decisions. They're going to have plenty of time to make decisions. But one of those, as long as they're in my house, will not be, what are we doing on Sunday? I, I shouldn't even tell this. I was, I was almost five years old. And... We were living out on Lyons Road before my family left on the evangelistic field. And uh, I fell asleep one Sunday afternoon. And I don't know if my mother thought I was being rebellious at four or what it was. She came in to wake me up for Sunday night church. And man, I was in a deep sleep. And apparently she kept saying, son, get up, get up, get up, get up. Well, I didn't listen. And I, honestly, I didn't hear. And I, I think my kids have that same disease. The difference is we have an upstairs, and my mom would just come screaming my door. We have to scream from downstairs. It's like my wife preaches at home. I preach at church. My mother came in. She said, get up, son. Get up, get up, get up. Well, I didn't hear. I was dead asleep. I mean, I'm, I was out. And the, what I woke up to. With my mother picking me up by one arm and swinging with the other. And she, she said, you will get up and you will get your clothes. I'm like, dear God, mom, what I do, what I do. She, you are not going to sleep. We are going to the house of the Lord. Well, that's a little hard, Pastor. It may be, but thank God. Thank God. There was a precedent set right there. I don't care if you are sleepy. I still get sore when I think about it. <laughs> well, my God. Hey, I'm thankful for a mother that didn't give me any options because she wanted me to be involved in the kingdom of God. I read a story the other day. This story, I, I want you to know it's tough being a parent. It's tough being a parent. I read a story the other day about this mother that had a three-year-old son and a one-year-old daughter. And you know, you're trying to teach big bubby, big, big sibling, how, how to be responsible. Anybody in here have done that? And you're like, I'm going to give them a little bit of leash, you know. And so they're sitting on the, on the sofa together on the couch. And the timer goes off in the kitchen. And so she, she says, bubby, you keep an eye on sissy. You watch sissy. That's what she said. You watch sissy. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I still believe we ought to teach our kids to say that. And so he said, yes, ma'am. 
She goes in the kitchen and she hears. She comes running and says, what in the world, what in the world, what in the world? And the baby's laying on the floor. And he's just sitting on the sofa looking. She said, what in the world's wrong with you? He said, mama, I did exactly what you told me to do. I was watching her. He watched her. You, you got to, you, Lord God, you got to choose don't choose how to say some things. It's, it's tough. It's tough. You know, it's like that, that old Calvin and Hobbes. I, I told you about one. <laughs> Calvin walked by his mom and he said, Mom, I'm your greatest accomplishment in life. And the next cartoon she's sitting on the sofa said, I'm depressed. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like you're getting nowhere. Nowhere. Sometimes it feels like you're speaking into thin air and it's not doing anything. But I want to reiterate, godly mothers want to see their babies live for God. So mama, even if you feel like you're not getting anywhere, don't stop praying and don't stop believing. Don't stop trusting. There is no greater joy than to know that our children walk in the truth. If you're here today and your children aren't serving the Lord, let me just add something on the end of that. When you say, I wish my children served the Lord, my babies don't serve the Lord, let's just put something on the end of that. Yet. My babies aren't serving the Lord yet. But I'm still believing God. And they're on their way. And God's going to do a miracle in my life. So we know that she wanted her children to be a part of the kingdom of God. Number two, secondly, and I'm hurrying today. Not only did she want her children to be a part of the kingdom of God, she wanted them to be actively involved in the work of his kingdom. It is not enough for us to just want our children to be saved. Churches across America today are full of people that are content to just fill a pew on Sunday mornings. There are plenty of people that are content to sit back and receive a blessing, but seldom do they want to get involved in the work of the Lord. So where does the spirit of excellence begin? Can I tell you, when I was a boy and they called a work day on a Saturday, I felt like I was one of the big men. When I'd come to the church with the men of God in this church, I wanted to get me a nail apron like they had one. If they were running a chainsaw, I wanted to run a chainsaw. If they were running a saw, I wanted to run a saw. It begins when we tell our children that God didn't just save you so that you could tell everybody you're saved. God saved you to do something in the kingdom of God. God saved you to be a part of the kingdom of God. Hey, mama, when you go to the altar, drag that baby with you to the altar. When you go to the prayer room, take that baby to the prayer room with you. I loved it yesterday. Some of the pictures, I was looking at pictures of the, the, the ladies' brunch yesterday. And there were little babies in there, little children in there. I know. I know some people gripe about it. It's all right. Babies cry. They interrupt services. Yeah, babies bring life to church. I thank God there's crying babies. Yeah, we got a good nursery. Yeah. But when they can get over separation anxiety and go to the nursery, we'll let them go. But I thank God that we got children in this church. 
And I thank God for mamas that teach their children the value of doing something in the kingdom of God. Thank God for Sister Crystal and the team. All they do in the nursery. I thank God that we've got a nursery full of people that work hard. Thank the Lord for you. And thank God for what you do. But I, I want my babies to know that I don't just go to the prayer room by myself. I don't just go to the altar by myself. This is a family affair. I don't, I don't like picking on people at all. So I got to talk about people that I know love me no matter what I say. And, and I, I, I want to say today how much I appreciate women that will do this thing with no support at all. I saw Liz Dorsey come to this church with two little seven-year-old girls. Seven years old. You look good for 47, Morgan. They were seven years old when they came to this church. She didn't have anybody to encourage her. She worked jobs, sometimes multiples, several, two or three jobs at a time. And on Sunday and on Wednesday, stand up, Morgan. Stand up, Monica. Well, I tell you what, if they were my girls, but they're not. And they're here today because their mother didn't give them any choice. Thank y'all. We take a lot for granted because some of us have a great support system and some of us don't. Mama, you may not have a whole team in your corner at the house. But you got some folks here rooting you on today saying thank God for you. Thank God for every Sunday you show up and bring them babies by yourself. Thank God for you. Thank, thank God for you. You know, back when I was in my early days as a youth pastor, I realized it was truly a difficult position. Because there are a lot of kids in the church with parents who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, but... They didn't have a lot of spiritual fruit in their lives. And so sometimes you feel like you're investing in, in, in kids and they're going to go home and hear something else. And I know some of you may be in that position today that you know whatever your kids hear in this church, they might go home and hear something different. But can I just encourage you today as your pastor and tell you how much I love you and tell you don't stop. Don't Don't quit. Don't, don't stop investing. Because one of these days, that consistency, those babies are going to get old enough to start putting pressure on them. One of these days, those babies are going to walk into that man and say, hey, daddy, it's Father's Day next week. You may not feel like it's easy to believe right now, but I'm going to stand up here and keep believing with you. That if you'll just keep doing the right thing, there's going to come a day that somebody's going to walk through the door with you. Don't be like the story of that family one Sunday after they had a child, <laughs> had a child dedications. I love doing dedications. It's so sweet. But as the family was driving home after church, their little boy, he, they, they got in church later, and he got dedicated a little bit older. You know, he, could, he, he was fine. They dedicated all their kids at once. Johnny was crying in the back seat. 
crying all the way home. Finally, his mother said three times, what's wrong with you? Son, what in the world's wrong with you? Finally, the boy replied, he, he couldn't catch his breath hardly, just crying. He said, that pastor said today he wanted us to be brought up in a Christian home, but I'd rather stay with you guys. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> Be encouraged. Godly parents set an example for their kids. They don't sit at home and say, hey, go to church. They don't sit at the house and say, you better be faithful to God. But they get up and get in the car, get ready for church and come to the house of God. Mama! I want your babies involved in the house of God. I want your kids involved in the kingdom of God. Don't stop working and don't stop praying. Keep right on investing. If we don't raise our children, somebody will. Thank God that my children aren't raised by athletes and the gods of this world. I grew up hearing names like Mickey Mantle. Just do a little research yourself. He was an idol. Everybody loved Mickey. He was one of the greatest baseball players to ever play the game. But as great as he was on the field, he was just that terrible as a husband and a father. His life was marked by alcoholism and abuse. He died at the age of 63 of cirrhosis of the liver caused by his drinking. Before he died, he was interviewed at a news conference after being inducted into baseball's Hall of Fame. And he was asked at that interview if he knew that he was a good role model for so many kids. He said, do you know how many kids look at you as a role model? He said, me? I'm no role model. He said, I've got the ability to play baseball. God gave me everything. For kids out there, this is what he said, I quote, for the kids out there, don't be like me. For kids out there, don't be like me. Hey, I'd love for some mamas, and I know this is Mother's Day, but we need some daddies. We need some saints of God. That we can look at with our children and say, you want somebody to follow? Don't look at Mickey Mantle. Don't look at LeBron James. That right there is what we want you to be. We want you to be something in the kingdom of God. We want you to do something for the kingdom of God. I'm almost finished. 2 Timothy 1 and 5. The apostle was telling his son in the gospel. He said, I have been reminded of your sincere faith. Which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. He said, and I'm persuaded that now it lives in you. We see the power of a godly example that was set before Timothy. Now I know that we need strong men. Brother Jerry Jones preached at men's conference this year so powerful. He said, Timothy's daddy was never mentioned. His granddaddy was never mentioned. He said, but Lois and Eunice made an investment in Timothy that even if that man wasn't around, somebody knew how to live for the Lord. Last but not least, Miss Zebedee did not just want her kids to be around the kingdom, be in the kingdom. She wanted them to be powerfully used in the kingdom of God. This is the toughest point today, and I close with it. I know that 
Sometimes we just got to be honest with our kids. You know, I think one of the craziest things we could ever tell our kids is that you can be anything you want to be. That's really not completely true. It's kind of a hard conversation. Baby, you can be anything you want to be. Not, not really. Some kids are just not going to be athletes. They're just not. They don't have that gift. Some of them aren't going to be writers. I read one time an old, uh, an old African proverb that said, In the eyes of its mother, every beetle is a gazelle. When I was with Brother Robbie in South Africa, he, he took me. Uh, we were hunting with a friend of his, and there were these dung beetles. They knew how to find all the right stuff. Big, big beetles, aren't they, Brother Robbie? Great big old bugs like that. They come crawling around. The African proverb said, in the eyes of every mother, that beetle is a gazelle. I know every mom thinks their kids can do the best. It's good to believe in them. But let me tell you something. It's time that we start investing in the mindset of our children. That it matters what God wants you to be. It matters what God wants you to do. That's why we have dedications. That's not for the saving of that baby. That, that has nothing to do with the salvation of that baby. As parents, we are saying, God, you let us borrow this baby. So we're giving it back to you. And if my baby's going to be a missionary. <laughs> you know that every missionary has a mama? You know that every evangelist has a mama? Every pastor in every town has a mama? Sometimes when we give our kids to the Lord, the Lord's not going to let us keep them next door to us. So my question to you today is, do you want your children to be powerfully used by God? And did you really dedicate that baby to the Lord? Because the older it gets and it starts feeling a fire in its bosom saying, I don't know what God's doing in me, but it could involve a foreign field. Are you willing to say, God, whatever you got to do, I want my children to be saved. And if that means they're going to serve you in Africa, if that means they're going to serve you in India, if that means they're going to bring people to you in China, so be it. But don't lift your hands off my children. It may be that God wants your babies teaching in the Sunday school room right up those stairs in there. But it may be that God wants your children teaching Sunday school in Manila in the Philippines. Did you really dedicate them to the Lord? Or will you take that promise back from God? I'm closing today. You see this in the life of Hannah. She was barren and couldn't have children. She prayed to the Lord. She called her son Samuel, which literally means God has heard me. And in gratitude for the gift of that child, Hannah took that baby and dedicated him to the Lord. This was more than your usual dedication service. She said, I'm going to let him move in with the priest. I'm going to let him be trained in the house of the Lord. Could you imagine walking away from a nine-year-old? Saying, God, whatever you do in his life, just don't take your hand off of him. 1 Samuel 1 and 27. 
For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked. Verse 28, so powerful. 1 Samuel 1 and 28. I want you to see this with me this morning. Therefore also, can you all see that? I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. We got to be willing to give our babies to the Lord and let God do what God wants to do with them. I feel this morning that sometimes we don't realize how difficult it can be. I mentioned it earlier in kind of a humorous way, but as I close today, I, I want to tell you that mothers do, they just have something special. I don't, I don't really know what it is. But women have something special about their makeup, the way that they are. It's just, it's just interesting. When a mother has given birth to a child, you just know that at any moment she would give her life for that baby. I read a story, and it's very heavy. I, I told Brother Jordan about the story as we were coming into church, and he said, I, I wouldn't recommend starting with that. So I read a story. During the Second World War, it happened during the Holocaust. One story came from Solomon Rosenberg. He and his wife and his two sons and his parents were arrested and placed in a Nazi concentration camp. And it was a labor camp, so the rules were simple. As long as you can do your work, you're permitted to live. You become too weak to do your work, you're exterminated. Rosenberg watched his mother and father marched off to their deaths. And he knew that next would probably be his youngest son, David. David had always been a frail child. And every evening when Rosenberg came back into the barracks after his hours of labor, he searched for the faces of his family in the crowd. And when he found them, they would huddle together and embrace one another and thank God for another day of life. But one day Rosenberg came back and didn't see those familiar faces. And he finally found... Joshua, his oldest son. Joshua was in a corner. He was huddled. He was weeping and he was praying. He said, Josh, please tell me that it's not true. Joshua turned and said, Papa, it is true. Today, David was not strong enough to do his work. So they came for him. He said, but where is your mother? Oh, Papa. When they came for David... He was afraid and he cried. And mama said, there's nothing to be afraid of, David. And she took his hand and she walked out with him. When they took her baby, they took her. I'm closing with this for a reason today. We need some mothers and some fathers. That will stand between this present world and the gates of hell. And that will declare that if your children are going to be lost. They're going to have to step over your prayers to be lost. If you're going to drag my children off. You're going to have to take me with them. Listen. I thank God for men and women of God. That have just stood and towed the line.
This is not a typical Sunday morning sermon. Somebody asked me this week, they said, Pastor, are you going to preach on monkeys with motorcycles and unmoved mothers again? This is not that kind of a sermon. I'm reaching for some mothers today that would be willing to say, Lord, whatever you have to do to be sure that my babies are saved, I'm willing for you to do that. I want us to stand together this morning. I feel such a sweet touch of the Holy Ghost. Family, I want to tell y'all. I've been very, very calculated with how I would present this to you today. The time has come and I want to present this to you in as loving a way as I can. But I want to tell you that we've been through some pretty wild times the last couple years. Now we're starting to feel some relief of all of the pandemic stuff, and that's kind of lifted, and everybody's feeling, you know, hey, cool, we can fly again with no masks. And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. The more that lifts off and the stigma of that is all gone, people are going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, we got more time, we got more time. I'm going to tell you what I came to preach to you this morning. Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. Mama, pray like you've never prayed. Child, hear it today. It doesn't matter if your mama's 30 or 95. If your mama's been praying for you, you're never going to be happy away from the presence of God. Jesus is coming. I don't believe we've got 25 more years to get it right. I don't believe we've got 10 more years to get it right. I don't believe we've got time to get everything done that we want to get done. I believe that Jesus is coming. And if you're going to get in the ark, you better get in the ark. I'm reaching for somebody on this Mother's Day to tell you that prayers have been bombarding heaven. You may be watching this online. Your mother may have passed on, but her prayers are still living on. And if you had a mama that prayed for you, if you had somebody that's been praying for you, and you've walked away from the Lord, I want to tell you those prayers are still alive. Jesus is coming, and it's time to get ready. Pastor, I can't believe that you would use Mother's Day to preach like this. I'm going to tell you right now, we got to preach like this every week. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Pastor St. Clair, do you believe that after he comes, there will be another chance? I don't plan on being here to find out. When he comes, I want to be rapture ready. Sister Darla. Every word that you ever spoke over those young people 50 years ago is still alive. It's still alive. Oh, God. Lord, whatever you have to do to me, don't let me be lost for eternity. Will somebody just submit to the presence of the Lord that we feel here right now? I know this is strong for Mother's Day. But I'm reaching for somebody right now in Jesus' name. God, thank you for every prayer that's been prayed for me. Thank you, God, for every prayer, every church mother, for my mother, my mother's in the gospel. Thank you for every prayer that's been prayed for me. Come on, Mama, cry out for your children right now.